Prepare yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of... Aftershocks Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartnett. Well, cool, man. Yeah, let's get started in here. All right, man. So, uh, Aftershocks, episode number 11. And joining me on the podcast today is Thresh, veteran and vocalist of the Mighty Warbringer, who have just released their new album titled Weapons of Tomorrow on Napalm Records, Mr. John Keevil. What's happening, John? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, just chilling out here in my hammock right now on the board and uh, doing interviews in coronavirus. My wife and I are under quarantine, so we've been uh, cooking and gardening and uh, you know going uh-huh. on walks around the neighborhood. And that's been about it, honestly. Sure. I wish we could tour on this damn record. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Speaking of the record, <laughs> I mean, everyone's raving about it. It's your sixth, uh, your sixth LP. You know, and like you said, I mean, I know it's uh, obviously very difficult to release a new record under these uh, these circumstances. But, I mean, you definitely got to feel really good about the reaction thus far. Uh, and it, c- it can only mean, you know, good things when you do start touring again. I know you're, you know, you guys are road warriors, man. You're always on the road. So, I mean, like, yeah, like you were just kind of explaining to me right before we started here. I mean, what else can a musician like yourself do at this time other than, you know, doing a shitload of interviews? What else can you really do to help promote your record? Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way. You know, fortunately, I'm lucky that there's a shitload of people that want to do interviews. So that's that's really, you know, mm-hmm. such as yourself. So thank you, sure. you know, for the time and all that. Um, and and it, it's been a wonderful kind of opportunity to sort of think about how, you know, the state of what we're trying to do artistically and what I get out of metal as a, as an art form in the first place and all this kind of stuff that I think, uh, you know, I, I hope that, uh, that I think, I guess metal needs to answer in general. What's what's the use of this as an art form in 2020? And my answer is it's essential and vital stuff. And that's why I put my life into doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. So just having all the interview questions thrown at me has like gotten me to sort of personally reevaluate all that stuff and and rethink my own, thoughts on that mm-hmm. very cool yeah no um and yeah and speaking of you know, weapons of tomorrow the new album i mean you guys definitely show no signs of the band slowing down i mean it's just another pummeling warbringer listening experience i mean is it the band's goal each time you guys make a record i mean do you set out to like outdo yourself because i mean throughout the band's career it seems like each release is more faster and furious than the previous one is that what you guys kind of aim to do yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. I think that's fundamentally a sort of metal frame of thought is wherever you were before, you got to push past it. Mm-hmm. You have to find some way to top yourself. And uh, I hope to be able to continue doing that and pretty much, uh, you know, let's see how long we can do this Warbringer thing without putting out a shitty record. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see if we, you know, it's my life. So I, I only got one of those mm-hmm. and I, I, I can't aim low. So I'm like... You know, if I'm going to spend my life doing thrash metal, I want to put out one of the great, like, career strings of albums in, in metal history. If I can, you sure. know, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the goal. It's, it's not up to me to say if we do, but that's mm-hmm. what I hope to try to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. So that's very much our mentality. We, we don't want to allow anything to, to dip. We never want to be a band that goes through the motions, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's our life work, and, and we really believe in uh, in this stuff as an art form, so we, we try to to give exactly what we would want to see from a band we liked, you know, in terms sure. of uh, the content of the music and the, the consistency, 
consistency in terms of quality, but also like consistent evolution Mm -hmm. and walking that that difficult tightrope between evolving and changing while also keeping all the core elements that are why people are there in the first place. You know, we're we're a band called Warbringer with a big spiky logo. We can't put out a soft (laughs) record. It's got to be extreme or you didn't get what you fucking paid for. We're not going to sell you. We're never going to sell you short like that, you know? (laughs) Surely, that's a good point. No, you know, and speaking of that, you know, uh, one of the best songs that we really like off the, the new record is The Black Hand Reaches Out. I mean... That music really reminds me of a lot of the traditional metal in the same vein, you know, the traditional uh, thrash metal in the same vein as like maybe like a Megadeth, you know, just to throw one band out there. It's just a pure like no nonsense sort of thrash uh, song at its core. Was this a song that you kind of had maybe in the vault for some time, and did you decide to give it a rip? And did you, you know, and you, do you see the guy, you know, you guys doing more of this kind of material in the future? Oh, uh, so, so this one we kind of thought that this was sort of a. Uh kind of like this album's answer to something we had on our last record, a track like Remain Violent. Mm. Now, the thing that they have in common is they're basically a little more accessible and catchy than a lot of the kind of like multi-part songs mm. we'll do with like eight different riffs in them or whatever. These ones are kind of more like uh, structurally, these are more like rock songs. Okay. And we like that too. And, and part of what I think a lot of the be- separates the metal I do like from that I don't is does it fucking rock? Mm. So we're you know that yeah. that's where we stand, um, and yeah we're trying to get these kind of things. We want to have something to use as a single that can be accessible. It can help you draw help draw you into some of the more extreme and labyrinth stuff we do, mm-hmm. uh, and also just a, a sweet live headbanger, a cool sing along. All those uh, the mid paced thrash song really scratches those itch number. We're looking at numbers like you know maybe something like peace cells or or people the lie or toxic waltz. Those kind of jams, mm-hmm. that kind of speed and, and cadence. Uh, so- so more yes. of a kind of groovy kind of thing, just to switch it up a little bit, sort of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so, and, and, you know, different groups, because, like, even that, uh, the, the next song, Crush Beneath the Tracks, is mm-hmm. more like a lurching early death metal groove, and the mm-hmm. one, and Black Hand is like a straight uh, mid-pacer, we call those, mid-pace thrash number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of great ones of those in the canon. So, yeah, but, and I'd say compared to the last album, because we did a similar type of song, so how do we make it different? Because um, that's the challenge that we get if we want to do something that scratches sort of a similar itch. Sure. And Remain Violent is kind of just like mostly around one riff, and it's just a brick. Mm-hmm. And the Black Hand, by contrast, I think is like the melodic style in the riff is a little uh, sneakier, so gotcha. to speak. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's less brick, and it's more like True. creeping up on you, infiltration. And, and that goes, uh, that helps me choose what the lyrics are going to be, is kind of what vibe do I get from the riffs? Remain violent, brick. So, you know, mm-hmm. police, riot, violence, that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, Black Hand clandestine assassination plots you know mm-hmm. so i just kind of i almost word cloud it in my own head when i hear a riff what does this riff evoke to me and that's going to dictate what i write in the lyric oh interesting very cool yeah. you know and uh you you know you guys also you've you know worked with some great producers over the years i mean you've worked with a legendary you know when you guys started out with bill matoyer uh you've obviously worked with gary holt steve evitz who's another awesome producer you did two albums with him and now of course over the last two albums you've worked with mike plotnikoff you know who himself has worked with other you know uh great metal bands like fear factory and in flames i mean it really seems like mike has done such a great job on these last two records which to me are arguably maybe both of my favorite Warbringer releases um 
What is he? Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me, me too. Awesome, yeah, man. Got better. Totally, man. I mean, you guys have it. I mean, so, what does he add and bring to the table compared to like some of the uh, producers you've worked with in the past that really makes it click on the, especially on these last two uh, releases. So, so first, I want to say I'm really thankful to have worked with all the guys we've worked with. It was a positive experience on every single record. Uh, I got nothing but love for any of those guys you named. They're they're mm-hmm. great, and it's been a, each one of them is talented. Has taught me different stuff at, at different stages of my career, and they're all different people who have their own mindset towards making records. Mm-hmm. Mike Plotnikoff has his own angle which is different he is one of the most like zen minded dudes he has this attitude in the studio of it will be a great record you have to believe that it will be and you go in there and you know that in your heart and whatever comes out is what's supposed to be there and and that kind of mindset can be really helpful in uh kind of getting you to believe in yourself and what you're doing and that can help the musician that atmosphere can really help the musician deliver when they're when they're in the recording booth behind the mic which is a stressful scenario and i've seen guys i've seen great players you know i've worked with a bunch i've Mm -hmm. seen great players have a real hard time in that setting Mm -hmm. uh when they can kill the exact same parts on a live stage you know sure um and so uh Mike's really great in that way specifically where and he also uh kind of like me because i don't i don't play an instrument i've studied a limited amount of music theory so i'm not illiterate in it but uh mm-hmm. not in the same way as a guy who's been playing for 15 years or whatever mm-hmm. um but mike and i tend to describe music a lot in terms of pictures and so we kind of speak the same language in that way okay. regarding the songs and, and we communicate well in, in that regard i can say something kind of abstract about how i want the song to sound mike seems to get it and he gets an idea and it sparks him so uh nice. i really like uh, his mindset in that way is just a really comfortable dude to work with. He's also very skilled, and his engineer Hatch, uh, who's also who's who's his right hand man and our sharpest ears in the world, deserves special mention as well. So it's the studio, the setup, and the people together that make it what it is. And we've really enjoyed recording the last two records there. Yeah, awesome. No, and they're great records, man. And you know, and of course, you guys, you know, Warbringer were, were very synonymous with that thrash revival in the late 2000s. And, you know, what's great is that most of those bands that came out of that continue to really, like yourself, you know, with Warbringer, you guys really continue to gain more and more steam with, you know, both old and new metal fans, you know. And as Warbringer, you know, has proven, you know, like you said, over each record, when the band was first coming up, did you have sort of like, you know, I guess maybe a chip on your shoulder to, you know, to say, sort of to like, prove that you weren't just a replica of the classic thrash bands because you know when a, when, it, when a music revival like that you know for lack of a better term occurs you're automatically going to be bludgeoned to death with comparisons to your predecessors i mean whether it's the fans or the press or whoever what was your experience like in those early days warbringers rise when you guys were you know were you guys being compared to like any of the great thrash monsters that you you know put that chip on your shoulder like we're not just you know replica we're our own thing Oh God! Everything you said, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, you know, I, I'm not playing thrash metal because I want to pretend it's 1986 or something. That's the year I was born. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 33 now. Uh, but it's like I, I, I got no particular nostalgia for any certain era. I like I like music based around riffs and solos and, and real ideas, and I don't see that to the and 
singers with their own individual character, and I really got that out of a lot of uh, 80s and 70s and into the early 90s, you know, kind of the original run of the canon of all the main metal genres mm. um, before the 90s happened, kind of throw the whole thing, you know, the whole state of the art into turmoil, and we've got like kind of a revival that's been going on since the 2000s. That's, mm. that's sort of my view on it uh, in terms of like straight metal as a musical form. So where I'm trying to do it based on just a love for the art form and not based on any like retro desires. It's like, that's the fucking metal I like, you know, mm-hmm. I, totally, I like yeah. Maiden Priest, Metallica, Bathory, fucking mm-hmm. Slayer, Dark Angel, Demolition Hammer, old, old fucking metal shit, you sure. know, death, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so for someone to say you guys are retro in the first place, I thought was kind of stupid. Cause I'm just like, we're actually playing fucking metal. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, totally, Screw yeah. you. <laughs> and in 2008, I feel like that's a short list. Mm-hmm, very, you know? Yeah. It's oh, a totally. shorter list than it should be. And yeah. so that was kind of, And so I had a chip on my shoulder before anybody wrote an article about us. I was like, this shit's not fucking metal. <laughs> ah, you know, why is nobody doing the, the shit that's here on these records that are way better than the ones coming out today? That just mm-hmm. pissed me off. Sure. And uh, so you hear that to anger all throughout Warbringer all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really think that it actually, it wasn't just early in our career that we were bombarded with endless comparisons. I think it took us 10 to 12 years to start to get out of that. It mm. was so infuriating, man. I could imagine. I can yeah. tell you, dude, because listen to like, listen to the first three albums. There's really different shit on there sure even mm-hmm. the first album which which i think a lot of the i think our first album is derivative from 80s thrash i'll, I'll say that straight up mm-hmm. uh i was 19 when we wrote those it was my first musical endeavor in my life you know uh-huh. um i don't know sorry i don't at that time have an answer for what can you do new in a 30 year old job i'm not a fucking genius like that where i just step in and got all the answers <laughs> on my first record I'm yeah not that guy you know, it would be great if i was it's been a learning curve sure um but I think first record at the crack of doom, people are asking me now this black metal stuff on defiance of fate or heart of darkness. It's so new for you guys. I'm like, no, it's not. Have you fucking listened to us? <laughs> We've yeah. been doing that since day one. Yeah, since it's day one. A, it, totally. It's just a matter of degree. We've always been more extreme than most new thrash bands. You could name. We go mm-hmm. further instrumentally, not just vocally instrumentally into black and death metal. We've done that since day one and waking in nightmares has a shitload of death metal on it. Listen to the drums. Mm. Um, World's Torn Asunder has like some crushing doom death stuff on demonic ecstasy at the end. Uh, there's all kinds of different shit on our records. And we got, and you, you read a review of our record, even by like the third one, uh, there was, there was a review that got put on metal sucks where the guy basically wrote the, wrote the following. He's like, rethrash was cool a few years ago, but I'm over it now. And this is a rethrash record. So I don't like it. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> I, we wrote these songs. This took us a fucking year to make. Yeah. You know, we tour, we sweat, we bleed for this shit, and that's that's the shake you're gonna give us. Fuck you. Yeah. What gives you the right, you know, to whoever, and, and not just that one journalist who wrote that thing, but to any of them. It's like, do you have any idea what you're even saying? I heard shit like. Uh, you know, if you're going to compare us to 80s thrash, I know my 80s thrash reasonably well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, you better at least make the right comparisons. You know, I mm-hmm. like Anthrax, but I do not sound like Joey Belladonna from Anthrax. I know what I sound like, and I know what he sounds like. It's mm-hmm. not close. Um, 
and I get those kind of comparisons just because he's another guy, and yes, that's a thrash metal band. It's like, fuck, dude. It was the, the laziness with which we were written off was yes. really galling. And there's a, a record where we really basically, we, we fucking like freaked out our fan base, I think, with Empire's Collapse, because what that record was is John Locks especially was even more mad about this stuff than I was. Because mm-hmm. um, he didn't view himself as strictly a metal player. He was like, I'm an artist, you know, I want to do art basically mm-hmm. and uh and then nobody will give me any credit for anything i write no matter what i actually write that's what we felt like by around the third album because mm-hmm. waking into nightmares doesn't sound like any record from the 80s i know my 80s yeah, classics. Yeah. none, of them, none of them sound like that no. yeah mm-hmm. the waking into nightmares couldn't have existed before around 2009 the influences that made it wouldn't have been there yet mm-hmm. you know the style totally. of drumming is yeah mm-hmm. so i think that What's kind of cool now is since Woe to the Vanquished, we're getting this sort of retrospective look at our career. It's not just, hey, Warbringer are, are good now. Warbringer have always been doing this. They've always been on this exact same path. We haven't deviated. Empire's Collapse is like a weird experiment where we're basically like, okay, the experimentation with extreme stuff, progressive stuff, melodic stuff that we've always done, mm-hmm. we're going to dial that up like three notches and we're kind of, and we're going to make the art look totally different and not like an old thrash record and all that because we were so sick of being written off that we did a whole record wildly different just so that if anyone was like, yeah, it's just like Slayer again, then mm-hmm. it's like, you're an idiot. You haven't fucking listened to this for like even five minutes. Yeah. You know? Like you said, it's pure laziness. It's the laziness of, of, of you know, the journalist for that. Just to throw that comparison out, you know, it's there's not much thought put into it. It's easy, like you said, to say, oh, it sounds like Anthrax, and to write it off. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's total nonsense. Um, yeah, it's yeah. like if you're gonna if you're gonna compare me to old thrash people, the ones you should be talking about is like extreme aggression, coma, souls creator, epidemic of violence, tortured existence, demo hammer. You should be mentioning the second, third sacrifice records. You know, if you if you should mention spectrum of death for some of the vocal isms that are on there. You know, and mm. then I think you should mention some of the Bay Area stuff, but not others because we have our favorites. You know, sure, uh, yeah. uh, we so we know what's in our stew pretty well. We we know what we listen to and and it's funny to see people kind of make what looks like stabs in the dark trying to guess what it was and mostly be wrong you know or or i'll hear we're like slayer what about all the melodic solos that we have on all of our records is that like slayer no (laughs) you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so a lot of these people write this stuff it's like do you actually listen to this stuff Mm -hmm. or is it just all the same to you because it has that that word thrash attached to it Mm -hmm. i keep telling everybody thrash metal is actually a pretty wide genre it's the only metal genre that sort of like touches all the others it shares a border because it emerges from like heavy and speed metal uh it also shares roots with punk rock and hardcore mm-hmm. and then it's kind of the the ground floor of black and death metal that come out of it so on one end of its evolution it's got these earlier forms and it leads to these later forms and mm-hmm. so it's right in the middle of all the major forms of heavy metal and That's a great therefore, point yeah therefore thrash can go and touch all of them you can be raw and primitive and like punked out as fuck in a thrash band or you could be techie and prog as fuck and it's the same genre Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's a great like, point. Kill, yeah. kill them all, kill them all, and injustice for all are the same band. Yeah, no, I know what you're you know, saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh huh. And that's that's not even some of the. We're not even getting into the the fucking coroner or blind illusion or any of that. Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great so, point. Yeah, about thrash touching on every other sort of subgenre. That's a great point. Yeah. 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 So I think I think the twist we have that's a little different from all the fascinating permutations you see past and present Mm -hmm. is uh that we had this thought what if 
80s thrash, classic thrash records, pretty much. The whole canon and the range of them kind of went for into some of the like mid 90s forms that black and death metal were taking you know some of the melodic death metal stuff on that end mm-hmm. as well as some of the more brutal stuff and then for black metal some of the atmospheric and melodic stuff and and specifically why did like and justice for all and twilight of the gods never have a baby you know mm-hmm. like bathory twilight of the gods that fucking sure. oh, glor- yeah. glorious record yeah why sure. did that never that vibe never reach on a thrash album and on something like defiance of fate it's like we were basically thinking to ourselves, what if you had a Fade to Black, Cemetery Gates, one of those kind of ballady but heavy songs, you know, halfway, mm-hmm. sort of those half and half numbers that are pretty cool and unique. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. What if instead of going into more like classic metal riffs at the end, if it went all fucking epic, you know, Bathory mode at the end, basically, mm-hmm. as the release to the buildup. And that's kind of the song you hear and the, the lyric was written to match all that. And So I think that what we're able to do from our perch that we're on in the 21st century is if we kind of critically pick apart the entire canon of everything we like, we, we can repurpose and repiece it together in different ways that weren't ever done. And that way our inspirations are still all within uh, the straight up like, metal with a capital M canon, sure, you know, not yeah. po- post nothing here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know we're still no post metal here it's just metal metal and yeah. uh mm-hmm. yeah it's great if dude there's stuff in post metal i enjoy but it's like it's not the same it's, it's not the same building to me you know it's sure. not the same it, it's not the same thing it doesn't make you go like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> that's totally, what it, yeah. it, it, you're not gonna air guitar like <laughs> sure. you know some of that like really atmospheric stuff that's out uh-huh. there uh it has its place it's wonderful but uh, i want that and i want to make that and i think it sucks that there isn't since like 1990 92 about there hasn't been a universally regarded classic release in the field of straight up metal true you could argue mm-hmm. you could argue maybe slaughter of the soul or something's like the closest anybody's come because that was influential on a whole genre mm-hmm. but, but even then you know not quite to the same extent you know people don't usually talk about a record like that well regarded though it is in the same kind of tones they're talking about like a rust in peace or something you know Mm -hmm. yeah so and these are good records i'm comparing you know we're we're trying to get we're talking we're only talking about the sweetest fucking the high thrones of shred the arts of the riff that's all we even care about you know yeah here and what we're analyzing to make warbringer records sure yeah no nice yeah Yeah. so as someone who yourself who pays you know great attention to detail to society and just human behavior in general uh, in your opinion, what's going on now? This pandemic is this a uh, a weapon of tomorrow that you write about, uh, sort of like you kind of write about on the new album? Is this something you think might be? So, the, so the voice that you hear of me in Warbringer is one aspect of myself, and it's me at my most paranoid, negative, and cynical. Mm-hmm. So first, know that I'm I'm not always in that mode of thought mm-hmm. in my regular life, but I, I that's the mode of thought that I think fits the kind of music we're making and the art form in general that's what it's about is the darkness in the world sure mm-hmm. um so i think basically my point here is i'm one of i'm the guy that if you throw a conspiracy theory at me at, at, i'm gonna if you throw a conspiracy theory at me i'm gonna tear it apart mm-hmm. i'm that guy okay uh, i think that a lot of people 
don't necessarily understand all the interests and, and geostrategic motives behind actions of things like government and entrenched power. And so because of that, it seems like a shadowy conspiracy because, like, clearly these aren't in the these actions aren't in the interest of the people they're ruling over. Mm-hmm. So I think you get a lot of that kind of thought out of that. And I'm against I, I sort of don't believe any of that. What I do think is that, um, are, are, you know, basically are people in the world economy specifically going to opportunistically jump on this and try to make what they can out of it for their to serve their own interests? And yes, at the cost of the interests of others. Yes, that's basically what happens anytime anything happens in history. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Um, So also, the virus uh, probably did come from a lab, but that doesn't mean that they were trying to make a bioweapon. What do you think medical research comes from? Every government in the world is running labs where they're testing viruses. Mm -hmm. The thing is, the Chinese Communist Party is a bad faith actor on the world stage. It's it's a totalitarian state still, even though it's a critical part of the world economy. Mm -hmm. And... uh, we've kind of made that deal you know sure. as the, the we the the free world the west all whatever you want to call it and which has its own problems oh yeah uh oh, yeah. <laughs> so i think that the the thing is that all the wet market stuff and, and the way that the chinese government clearly their death figures which are much lower than the united states and the official numbers it just if, if you think about well the virus originates from there and the population's this and all that yeah that, that can't be true they're lying mm-hmm. and you know it mm-hmm. uh so that doesn't mean the whole thing was an evil conspiracy but it does mean that it's being handled in sort of a, a very shady manner mm-hmm. that's what i think about that i don't think it was like deliberately engineered as a weapon but i think people are going to use the circumstances to profit how they can and that a lot of that won't necessarily be good for people sure Gotcha. Okay, cool. Man. And, and I can't yeah. really speak in more specific terms than that without talking out of my ass. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you, that's the best assessment that seems to me to be logical and fair that I can really give from where I'm sitting at a random house in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. No, you very know? cool. Yeah. No, thanks, man. And uh, yeah, just one last thing. Like I said, just, you know, obviously, you know, how you're talking now and just, I know you're very well schooled, obviously, in world history. Yeah, you've got a very professorial way of speaking, you know, is is teaching in your retirement plans if you ever do leave the music world? Is that something you could do <laughs> people, or what you want to do? <laughs> people seem to think I'm a history professor already. I, if you put me next to a real historian, then all that nice stuff you just said about me isn't actually true. So it's relative to who and what your degree of interest is. True. And, and one, you know, and if you look at your Socrates, the root of actually knowing anything is to know how little you know. You know, you know. So yep. I, try, mm-hmm. I try to keep that in my head and try to keep oneself grounded in what what i actually do know and what i actually don't and, and try to be honest about it because mm. that's that's really important but sure. I, yes i do want to teach um the stuff i study a lot and know pretty well is like world geopolitics and power and you know war stuff between about the french revolution and the end of world war ii that's the period i know the best i've been stuck on learning world war ii in china which starts earlier in the 30s you know mao zedong chiang kai-shek all these guys that's a tangled web right there I'm sure to pick that one apart uh-huh. but basically i just think this is interesting stuff and i think that if you're trying to see what happens next in world history uh it, and you put it all in context there's some pretty some things that are pretty apparent mm-hmm. uh one we're in really uncharted territory 
And the only thing you can look in terms of the technology, the population, the industry, the size and, and power of the global economy, and I guess the advancement of society, all that is off the charts compared to anywhere it's been in history before. Sure. So the only thing we I can tell you is that that all those statements I just told you, that has all been true before, too. If you look at, say, like, I'm really fascinated by the pre-World War One era, because that's a period where, kind of like today, they've had, they had a stable world order for a while, where it was the imperial powers kind of having this uh, detente between and this agreement, they're going to carve up the world in such a way as the root of a lot of the problems we got now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I find that really interesting. And they're also dealing with, uh, you know, they're in late stage industrial revolution there. They're cooking up, like, massive steel battleships and machine guns and like swarms of modern artillery and all that. So the, the weapons race is on. Uh, they're implementing electric lighting in cities and, and like cars and all this stuff and the airplanes being invented. So they're literally crossing into new frontiers. You know, humans can go in the sky now and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then the world order kind of explodes and they get four years in the trenches and millions dead. And then another even worse one that ends with people being, you know, exterminated in camps and nuked and bombed from you know cities obliterated from the skies and that's 70 80 you know that's 70 to like 120 years ago range so Mm -hmm. i look at that and now again post 1945 you know the great powers kind of had this agreement between them long period of peace Mm -hmm. when's the next great power conflict because if you're just looking at it in cycles from those terms well (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. by our kids lifetime we're probably looking at one and that's scary Uh, You can see, yeah, yeah, the U.S. power, uh, which kind of probably peaked around, heck, when I was a kid, around like George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, you know, America in the 90s, which we can see right now. America, you know, all the stuff about the current political discourse. How do we, you know, you know, the guy who's in office right now won on Make America Great Again. That tells you something. That tells you that people in America don't think we're doing as well as we were. Mm -hmm. And that's because we aren't. Um, there's some factual shit behind that. Sure. So uh, that decline in American, both both the kind of faith in the system that your average American's going to have, because more and more are kind of left behind, you know, living in their cars as Uber drivers, that kind of shit that more and more people are doing nowadays, um, is pretty much uh, it's kind of reminiscent of some of the social currents and problems that existed in in the lower class kind of in the pre-world wars era so i find a real uh it's not a repetition the whole history repeats thing is a real cliche but it rhymes i use that it rhymes like like words in a song Mm -hmm. uh where some of the themes are similar and because you can't look into the future i can't tell you when coronavirus will end or what its long-term impact will be, for instance, or how it'll change globalization, all that shit people are wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you any of that, but what I, what I can tell you is that you can't count out dramatic change happening. Just because you have known a world that's basically pretty stable does not mean you will continue to. Absolutely. Those people in those yeah. times before, mm-hmm. they were in our shoes where they're thinking, well, pretty much the existing system will continue. And then they were proven dramatically wrong in horrifying ways. And that's kind of Warbringer as an artistic statement. like, hey, reminder, you people, you know, you're, you're so worried about the next 
iPhone and what that's what features it'll have and can you afford it and all that and yeah. so, you know now people are I think in coronavirus a little more practical with their can I afford it concerns but sure. you know they're living the first the world problem stuff the first world problem stuff you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> living live that material life and it's like yeah. you know there's there's bigger shit than that that you got to be aware of and mm. if you check out of news and politics because hey everyone's lying to you because they all have an interest which they do mm-hmm. uh that's exactly that benefits exactly the continuation of the kind of stuff that's putting us in this bad spot right that we're in right now mm-hmm. um so i think that as an art form my answer to like what's the point of aggressive angry screaming heavy metal like i make it's to kind of just cast a light on that dark the unsettling stuff what's to just ask people the question what's next hey you know uh my, our, my last record silhouettes it's like hey remember nukes Rem- remember all those cold war era thrash records that had those those didn't go anywhere they didn't like get rid of all of those or anything, yeah no you're right you know? yeah true yeah <laughs> a lot of the stuff yeah. that you think is is a concern the past actually isn't that people just aren't talking about it and that itself is kind of scary yes i agree with you man absolutely 100 percent um, well, yeah, man. Uh, hey, we're I'm getting ready to wrap it up here. It's been a pleasure, man. Any other comments you want to uh, say before we, we close it out? Well, just thanks for having me on your on your show. Uh, it's been wonderful. Thanks for letting me uh, rant and rave about the stuff oh, on my mind. Sure, uh, man. Know. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, yeah. though. Cause one of the great things about metal, you can have sort of a guy It feels like they might be the crazy guy over in the corner. You, get, you can get a platform to, to write it into song. And that's often, I think, a more effective way to communicate not even so much the ideas, but the feelings behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, a feeling of anger, just dissatisfaction. Like, I, I think every person alive today is somewhat dissatisfied with how the world's been handling the current crisis. And that it tells us, and a lot of people have a lot of different ideas on this, it tells us that we got to change some shit. We got to do better. Yeah. Um, I agree. And, and I think mm-hmm. art's a useful way to kind of bring that, not even the message like we're preaching, but like just that feeling, to just connect to that feeling. Because I feel it all the fucking time when I see all this shit in the world that just makes me ah really yeah, I know, you right? know yeah totally dude I, I, I agree with you 100% man absolutely well hey man well yeah thanks really appreciate you coming on man and traditionally you know, on the podcast we like to end it with a song from the, uh, a new release that's coming up so what song would you like for to end things here with off of uh, Weapons of Tomorrow off Weapons of Tomorrow shit well you, you like Black Handle let's do uh... something a little different yeah yeah let's do a little different one uh well, heck, okay, track three, Crush Beneath the Tracks, is about, uh, so it's not about a tank. It's about uh, this metaphor of these kind of like eternally grinding and rolling tracks as sort of a, it's a metaphor for progress. Mm-hmm. Nobody asked for automation, job loss from automation. Nobody asked for, uh, you know, the way all business is done now. Nobody, nobody asked for this kind of world. It just happened, and no, you know, or nobody asked for your phone to spy on them either, this kind of stuff. But it just, it just happened, just happened. And that's part of the mm-hmm. story. And you got to deal with it, adapt or die. And that's what this song's about. You don't get a choice in where progress goes. It's this merciless engine, and we're all stuck to it. That's yeah. what this song's that's about. A great, that's a great, uh, you know, lyrical themes. I, I like that. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. So cool, yeah. We'll go ahead and we'll we'll put that on. Yeah, Crush Beneath the Tracks. This is off the new release by Warbringer, out now on Napalm Records. And as always, uh, thanks for listening to Aftershocks. And once again, thanks a lot, John, for coming on. Thank you. It's been great. Appreciate Adios. it. Take care, buddy. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions Please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.